Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper. And remember, I'm only as hip as my guests. And I have to tell you something, people. I was on a, uh, a bender this Sunday, but not like a drinking bender, a TV bender. I woke up and I watched my Philadelphia Eagles lose, which sucked. And then I watched like the first hour of the uh, Denver Giants game and it bored me. So I took a nap and I woke up and I started at six o'clock and I watched Boardwalk Empire, which I love, followed by the newsroom, followed by Low Winter Sun, followed by... Dexter followed by Ray Donovan and I was just enthralled and and I don't watch Breaking Bad I was up to season I'm up to season three but I just everyone keeps posting about it on Facebook so I said I better I better get this watched before uh, I know what happens so no lie uh, I sat there and in the last two days I have gotten from middle of season three when I get out of the studio I, I watched two episodes before I came today okay I was up at eight in the morning I got here and when I get when I get home I'm gonna watch I figure in the next by Friday I have to be caught up but the only predicament I have is because charters on demand sucks that they're missing the first two episodes of this new season because they only show like three episodes at a time. So luckily, I have a, I have a, my computer at home. It's got a big screen because I'm used to watching it on a 50 inch screen. And then when you sit there and watch it on like a 14 inch screen, it just doesn't it just doesn't work. But so I'm excited. So by the time you hear this, people on the Friday when when this airs on Friday, I will probably be done. I'm just saying. So anyway, we have a great show. I got to tell you, my guest today, uh, it's so funny. Me and the lovely Joanne went to the Magic Castle, thanks to, uh, which turns out it was my guest is friends with Justin Rivera. And we're going to talk about how, you know, years ago, Justin brought a girl to a show when they started out and she liked uh, my guest. And uh, he told me that the other day. But I, I saw him and he was he was amazing. And he did that, I don't know it's called, like the shell game thing, but the, the cups were clear. And I was just, I was really blown away. And his whole, uh, his whole message and his whole philosophy towards magic was very, very cool. So I went up to him after the show, and I gave him my card. And no lie, a few days later, I get a message from, I don't know if it was agent or his PR person, but now he's here. So we have Jason Latimer. How you doing, man? Thanks, Steve. It was, uh, it was good to see. I, I've never been to the Magic Castle. Now, do you perform there a lot? I, I get to perform there when my show's in town, and my show's coming into L.A. So uh, I pretty much give them a heads up that I'll be in the area, and they usually make it work for me. And uh, it's very flattering. And I love being there because I grew up there. Uh, so, well, then you, you're from Oregon originally? Yeah, I was born in Oregon. Okay. Uh, but I, my family moved down here really quickly down to L.A. Um, when I was about four years old. And, but I've been associated with the castle since I was about 12. What? Now, you know, it's funny. I, I always wonder, you know, and I say every kid i mean i think every kid has had a magic set i mean i have one like when we're like, like that box i still set. have mine no, yeah, but, but i'm saying like, i think every i think like that's so funny but i can see why i mean you know you you stayed with it but i think every kid when we're little we we were all fast i don't know how we were fascinated i don't know if it was and i'm older than you so i don't know if it was like when we would see like the, the tv shows and you see the different people but we were just fascinated and we all had that damn set with the uh with the thing that pops off with the ball and, and like the little something you stick in I'm your so, hand. Or the, so, I, no one ever reads the instructions right away. I, so you have those one chicks that you're like, you're still staring at like, what, what does that do? <laughs> like, exactly. You just, you try it. You're like, I don't want to read this. Song. And, and then you just suck. I was like, is that it? So now when did you, when did you become fascinated with the magic? Was it, was it, did someone just give you a gift? Cause it's like a thing you'd give to boys for a holiday or I, did you, or did I you was, watch it? I was thrown in by my parents. Actually, they took me, me to a magic show um but i mean my fascination with how things mechanically work has been since i was a little kid and i've always wanted to take things apart uh just passionately curious about everything and uh as soon as I could hold a screwdriver, none of the family's appliances were safe. I would take apart everything. Did you ever get in trouble for taking... All, all the time. My, par my parents had two rules. Okay. One, if you get stumped, ask a question. 
And two, try not to take anything apart unless you know how to put it back together. <laughs> what was what was the worst thing you ever took apart that they really got pissed? Like, was there anything like like they went, "Oh my god, what did you do?" VCR, VCR, right off the bat, took that thing apart. I don't even. I didn't know there were screws in a VCR. I mean, there was like two in the back. But how did how did the you sneaky ones? <laughs> no, like uh, I I took apart a VCR because I wanted to know. Uh, I thought I would get find the some like little ninja inside that was actually computing things together because I was so amazed by the infrared thing. How old were you? Oh, I, I was really young. So you were very... Like, probably four. So you were really... Pre- <laughs> four or five. <laughs> you were a precocious kid. Yeah, my dad was a, a structural engineer and uh, okay. architect and general contractor, so it's always hands-on, always build, always design. And uh, uh, when I was a really little, I was into electronics. Um, and it sounds funny to say that, but my family gave me a little electric keyboard and I used to lean on it and play on it and over and over and just I wouldn't know how to play music just lean on it and uh, my family got so annoyed with it that they unplugged it and put it on the other side of the room Okay. and then I was about they say I was about two years old but they saw all of a sudden they were watching television and they saw me pushing it across the living room floor and they plugged it back in and started leaning on it see, again see that's funny that's the will of kids I used to, my parents used to say I was when I was little I would uh, climb out of the crib and then go down the steps now I could barely walk and then I would come back up and then I couldn't get back in the crib and I would start crying and they come and they find me outside the crib. <laughs> you should have gotten into a skateboard. Exactly. I know. I should have been the next Houdini. The oh. Houdini. I, uh, well, my family thought it would be really funny to, to put me in front of a, a magic show because I always wanted to know how things work. To watch it. Right. Okay. And they thought that was really funny and with a sense of humor but also on the same thing they put me in front of the show and I saw a magic show when I was nine and just blew my mind just blew my mind now just was it because what happened was it i mean well you i'm, I'm guessing when you when you were nine because you were so precocious and knew how to take things apart did you actually could you figure out some of the the tricks at that time or it just it just the whole thing blew you away well the concept of magic having a secret wasn't really clear to me okay and it wasn't the fact that there was some sneaky thing that i didn't know it came to more of, I didn't know what the heck was going on. Okay. <laughs> and I was just staring at this stuff in just pure amazement of, I have so much more to learn. And I've kept that passion my entire life. I have so much more I need to know. And uh, that's and that's really where it all started. I just wanted to know what is possible. So did they, right after that, did you tell your parents, I, I want to do this? Did they get you a magic set? or what, How did you first get into the actual magic? This is really funny. I, it was a magic show on a cruise ship. And uh, the poor magician was trapped at sea with this nine-year-old hunting him down okay. somewhere on the cruise ship. <laughs> that must have sucked because kids get bored. And this guy's probably going, you know, I just want to do my show, hang out. He sees a little head popping around the corner. <laughs> and I literally wore him down. I literally wore him. We're friends now. but That's I, funny. I it literally wore him down. And he's like, all right, I'll show you one card trick. And he showed me how to do it. it was what a, was it? Do you remember? A, out of this world. It was this little card trick that separates the blacks from the reds. And... Um, the funniest thing about it is I just became this overnight fan of a guy named Dan Birch. And he's a great guy, an extremely talented magician. And my dad kept on to the little flyer. And we tracked his career. And a few years later, he ended up being in my hometown, just in the Thousand Oaks Civic Arts Plaza on a night of magic. Okay. Uh, with a group of magicians. Now, how old were you at that time? 12 years old. Okay. And then the MC, uh, we had been writing back to Dan telling I wanted to see him. And uh, after show and show him what I've been working on over the last three years while you've been, off. so you were you were trying to perfect the craft. You were getting, yeah, you were... I had pursued it. Yeah, and uh, I came up to him after the show, and him and a guy named Chris De Palma uh, was a very talented magician from Newbury Park, Thousand Oaks area, and 
he saw it and he was just like this is awesome <laughs> and uh, he told my parents you need to get with the magic castle and um I soon went over to the Magic Castle and joined the junior program. You know, people, if you don't know, uh, if the Magic Castle, which I, mine was the first time there the other night, is this beautiful place. It's like you, you know, it's right on Franklin, and uh, you see the signs, and you pull up, and it's just, and you go in, and we ate there, and the restaurant is very um, Boardwalk Empire-ish, very like Prohibition sort of, and just, just yeah. really cool. And then there's these rooms, like you go down to the basement, and it's like haunted, and there's a piano you talk to, and it's a breeding ground. It's like it's basically how comedy clubs are for comics. This is for I'm guessing magicians. Yeah, it's like the magic mecca. I mean, it's it's so it's been around for 50 years now, and uh, I think magicians. Well, I know magicians come from all over the world just to be a part of it. Well, the night we went, there was a girl from England and a guy from uh, Japan. Japan, yeah, yeah that yeah. show. Now. Did you have to audition to get in, or did they just sit there because you're young? Do they, do they want to mentor you because you're interested? Well, there's a thing called the junior program at the castle, and it's kind of a for it's a 21 or older club. So anybody under 21 has to audition to be part of this thing called the junior program. And we have uh, lectures from people from Copperfield to Penn and Teller to uh, just Lance Burton. All these great magicians come in to teach. You know what's amazing about it? It's all the, all the pictures on the wall. That really oh, yeah. is cool. Yeah. So you were in one of those groups. Now, what was your audition? What did you audition? What did you have to do? I, I auditioned with some of the card tricks that I had been studying at the time. And I was really young at the moment. And uh, I met a couple people at the castle that really felt that I'm. they liked my style of creation. Now, okay. I didn't have much when I was a kid. The funny thing is, I, since I didn't have much, and I didn't have many options, but I had a garage full of tools. I was building my stuff already. So you were already at that at that young age. You were because well, you. I mean, I know you went to college and right. you, you know and all that. You know, you went to uh, well, not that not, not that magicians don't go to college. <laughs> I'm not saying that magicians. I don't want any emails from magicians going. We we get more than GEDs. I know you do, guys. I'm just saying. But no, because you went and you uh, yeah, were very I, educated. So. I, I, yeah, my, I had the uh, fortunate father who was uh, really adamant about helping me along with this, and he. You know, between his tools and my ideas and what I needed to have happened, whether it was just a rubber band that pulls something or a spring or something that would wind up or any type of creation of mechanics to help me out, we were building stuff that didn't exist. Yeah, were you, I'm saying, were you thinking outside the box like you had an idea? We didn't know what the box was. Okay. <laughs> so you only basically knew card tricks. But now... I, the, yeah, I was I was just saying, wouldn't it be cool if? Okay. And uh, that's that's been my motto ever, ever since. So now you go through the, the junior programs so it's sort of like a mentor program right now how long do you stay in that uh, you have to graduate by the time you're 21 okay so you were in it for nine years yeah but okay. well I, I started going up to the castle when I was about 12 okay. and I became really heavily involved when I turned 17 because um, I had studied privately with a couple of people and a couple of friends in the magic community and uh, by 17 they gave me my own headlighting week at the magic castle okay and once that happened it was pretty much okay I'm playing with the professionals now and I, I had to really be there more active than when I was just a kid. Now, what kind of tricks were you doing then? I mean, were you, were you getting? I'm guess getting away from the card tricks. Oh yeah, I got away. I, I used to do some close-up magic card tricks because I think that's a stepping stone. I think that's a really uh, important part of magic. But then I started creating stage acts um, for like stage manipulation. And again, I still didn't have a big budget at the time, so I was really relying sleight of hand and skill to make up for the stuff I couldn't afford at the time. And now, I still you I still do one of those routines. Um, my state one of my stage acts is in my stage show still. Well, the stage act, okay. You're going from I guess you you like a comic. If you want if you want to practice your craft, you just go somewhere and there's mics. But for a for a magician, 
where were you trying to because you have to perfect your craft. I'm sure you practice, but there's still that live audience. Because right. you know, no matter how good you are in the bedroom, you have to uh, sit there and you know do that. So where were you? Uh, where were you doing that? At? Uh, well, I was doing. Uh, I got very heavily involved with college at, when I was 18 and 19 and 20. I was working at my universities, involving my magic and presentations, and I started using magic at the Magic Castle for like weekend shows and performances. And eventually, uh, uh, artist or comedian magician named Amazing Jonathan. Yeah, everyone knows him. Yeah, he caught my show and said, uh, how about being an opening act in Las Vegas? And I said, done. <laughs> so, wait, so how old were you then? I was about 19 years old. And uh, I started working as an opening act for him back when he was at the Golden Nugget and then the Flamingo. And I was commuting to college at UC Santa Barbara. So, you know, I'm sorry, I had a thing, I had sex on. So, wait, so you, you're, you're, how old are you? How old am I now? Or no, no, when you were doing that? About 19, 20 years old. And you were going to Vegas. Yeah, and I couldn't even gamble. It was horrible. <laughs> now, did they put you up? or? Yeah, they put me up in a hotel and everything. So, what, you would go to the hotel and just go back and just sit around? Uh, well, yeah, I'd hang by the pool. Now Practice. Because <laughs> I was so stressed that I wanted to make sure it was going to be perfect. Now, you went to college. Okay. Uh, you're a Toro, right? Something called? No, the Gaucho. Gaucho. Wait, Gaucho. Yeah, Why like, was a Toro once of a Gaucho? I, don't, I, don't <laughs> I, I really didn't go that often. I don't remember that. <laughs> right. Now, now, what was your major? Uh, well, I I have multiple uh, background in science, multiple applied science backgrounds, uh, and I luckily for me, UC Santa Barbara adopted my magic background because I when I was in college, I won the world championships for magic, and because I won it, and I was touring so much. I eventually told them I'm having a hard time graduating because of how much touring I'm doing and you keep holding me back because the quarters, the classes that I needed were only coming once a year and if I miss it, I would have to spend another year just to get through it. But did you did you really need the grad? I mean, I'm just well, saying. Yeah, you know, I, I, I know, I, I know wait. you. I know you wanted to, but it's like okay. When we're talking about the world champions, because you're the only the third, right? Yes. The third. No, no. Okay. I mean, it's so funny because most people are like, you know, it's, he's not like a basketball player where it's like I'm one and done. Here, this guy wins the world champ. Okay, not like Santa Barbara's campus, not like uh, California's funniest person. I mean, mad, most magical person. Not even the to get the worlds. He's and how old are you? Oh, now I'm 32. No, 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 when you won. 22. So you're 22, yeah. you won. So every older magician hates your guts. <laughs> and, you're, and he's a good-looking guy, people. Uh, so it's, he's not like he's some dopey fat guy with a beard going, voila. And so you win that, and now you're. I'm, su I'm surprised your ego stayed in check because, I mean, and it's it says world. When I was reading about it, I was like, this is big Thank you. Stuff. Thank I mean, you. it's like it's like that's. I mean, that's like world. That's like that's like winning a gold medal. <laughs> I mean, is. seriously, because yeah. you know, it's uh, been a, it's um, the people that have been before in the what's called the Grand Prix, the best overall award. It, it's a very short list, and I'm very proud to bring that home. Well, Lance Burton. Yeah, Lance Burton was the first American to ever win the Grand Prix, and then and Johnny Ace Palmer. Johnny Ace Palmer, who was on after you that exactly. night at the, and I was like, people, that was like an all star show. That's like going to the Improv and seeing <laughs> Dave Chappelle and Chris Rock walk in. So, okay, now how did? And How did you get into this championship? Well, I well because you're working for Jonathan. Yeah, it comes every three years, and it's um, from over 47 countries. They all get invited by invitation, and it gets whittled down to one week of. By that time, it's only about 500 people left, uh, and in that one week, they're going to narrow it down to six people that are going to be the best of each category of magic. And what was your category? Close-up, and uh, I also won Invention. So you were in two? I was in, yeah, I was in two. I was actually, technically, I was in stage, but uh, I scored higher in my close-up and okay. at the time. And what happens is the winner of each of the categories compete one last time 
amongst those guys. Those si- those it's six. Just you guys. It's yeah. No, no crowd. No. Now, most well, of the time, well, you do- no, no, there's a crowd. There's 2,500 magicians in the audience. Okay, so it's all. <laughs> so it's not. There's not. It's not open to the public. Um, well, you you could you could just buy an expensive ticket, but okay. it's most people magicians buy it. You have three years to buy a ticket, so people. Okay, and, how much is it? Uh, like I don't a know, ticket, probably about six, seven hundred bucks. Okay, that's a lot. That's yeah. more, that's one of the Pearl Jam concert. Yeah, it depends on where it is because every three years it's a different location. It, it, mine was in the Netherlands. Okay, and, and so so you had to you had to, get, you had to pay your flight over and all that, right? Yeah, and um, I actually have a side thing about that. Um, in the years of getting ready for the World Championships, I I uh, had so many offers and invitations from like the Magic Castle. They wanted to help sponsor me because they knew I was just a college student, and uh, then Siegfried and Roy stepped in. And um, I won this a contest right before called the Siegfried and Roy uh, Newcomer of the Year. Okay. And um, what they call the – actually, the title of it is Siegfried and Roy's Master of the Impossible Award. And um, I was upstairs uh, at this banquet dinner with Siegfried and Roy and a lot of other great magicians around the table. And they were saying – so they saw my card act that I was doing. And they said, well, what else are you going to do? Or what else can you do? And I said, well, I've been working on this little clear cups and balls routine. And everybody started laughing at me because it's like a submarine with a screen door. Right, that's what I was going to say. When you did it that <laughs> night, I was like, wait, this can't be. And it's, it's very it's very inventive. Yeah, it's the one trick everybody, that even magicians thought couldn't be done. They usually use it as a joke. And uh, the idea of following a ball under clear glass cups. And it became such a joke at the table that Siegfried said, okay, I'll bite. And uh, I'll... I want us to come and see that. I, I want you to come back out here in, to Las Vegas and show us that. And I said, well, you don't have to worry about that because it's downstairs in my car. Oh, so you already, you're and, already. And, he, and he's like, oh, let's see it. So I run downstairs and I do a routine at the table. Right around, I mean, just 10 magicians around a table. And it's like dead silent. Cause, cause, <laughs> and, and the thing is, magicians, that's one thing is magicians can pick, you know, they, they can pick stuff up. So if you're blowing away a magician, you got to be pretty damn good. Yeah, they're, they're like... I did the routine, and it was just dead silence. And then Siegfried said, uh, Siegfried and Roy said they would help me sponsor me to the World Championships, and that the cash prize from the Ceremony Award would actually be uh, put towards me going to the World Championships, and they would pay for my flights and my hotel. Really? And and my entrance fees. So they hooked you up. Yeah, and so they can't go wrong in my book. They are the biggest, greatest supporters I've ever had. They are so so nice and so inspiring. Do you ever go to their house? Uh, no, I haven't gone to. I house. heard it's crazy. All the, I hear it's with a, it's, it's like with amazing. The, yeah, yeah, with all the animals everywhere. So you so you go you go to these world things. Now, are you nervous? Huh? Are you nervous when you go to the world? I mean, oh yeah, but were you the youngest person in them? Yeah, well, it's I wasn't the youngest in the contest, but I uh, Lance and I are Lance Burton and I are tied for the youngest person to ever win the Grand Prix. Yeah, at the same age. And, okay. Um, and the the funny thing is, I had turned UC Santa Barbara into the largest magic manufacturing company that could possibly be. I was machining stuff in the machine shop in the physics department. Really? I was designing stuff in my graphics design thing, and I was I was going. This is where I was talking about UCSB really embraced the idea of me doing magic in my in my career. And when I competed, and what happens? I said there's the winner of each of the six categories. You compete one last time against the world champions of each of the categories. Okay. And you get the title Grand Prix, the best overall. And that's the title I have. Uh, but then I came back to UC Santa Barbara and said, I really want to graduate, but I have to do this tour for three years. Now, did the other students know you were this big shot in, ma- in magic, or was it oh, sort I, of on a down low? I mean, because it's like, you know, I went to a small school, and I think UC Santa Barbara is sort of small. 
Yeah. And I went to a small school in New Jersey, and, and if, you know, if someone went away and became a, I mean, hell, our school was so small that, like, during spring break when you're a girl, showed her uh, boobs at a wet contest, and she transferred to next semester because <laughs> she was so embarrassed. But you, you're like a rock star in the magic world. But oh, the thank kid, you. But did the kids know that? Well, I mean, they, they would do, every once in a while, there'd be little articles around the school about the show in Las Vegas with Amazing Jonathan. And then there was a couple articles because I started teaching at UC Santa Barbara. When you were still in school. I was an undergraduate, and I was teaching in different departments. Uh, one went about psychology, one about math and imagination, and one about uh, physics meeting magic. Now, why the psychology? Because do you think it's all, is all, is all a psychology? Are you psychotic? Like, psych- I can't say the word. Psychotic. Do you, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do you sit there and, uh, is it because you have to know the psyche of someone's, the brain or your crowd? or Because well, there's always going to be skeptics. This, yeah, there's always going to be people who just don't enjoy it. Like for me, like I see some of the sleight of hand stuff and like some of these tricks. Like I've seen on TV, and to me, it's like I don't want to know how it's done because to me, it just blows me away. Like if someone has a card that uh, I, I think, sign and it's in their wallet, I'm like, I, I it freaks me out. It's so good. I love lecturing at universities and uh, science festivals and stuff like that because I have an argument that I make to myself all the time that I might be standing too close to the chalkboard. Okay. And uh, I, the reason why I study so many applied sciences is because I feel that the more I know, the more I can use, the more tools I have in my toolbox. And that's where you, I was talking about the education part of it. When you asked me what, what was my majors and whatnot, well, my background's in econ, math, and applied physics. But I went on to study psychology, chemistry, and uh, engineering on the side. So how do you do that? <laughs> but I'm saying, though, it's, like, it's like you have to, you have to have <laughs> a concentration. Crazy. Yeah, but how do you, you – all when you're still in college, so you, how many credits have you taken? Because you're touring the damn – you're touring well, the damn three years. Well, this is, that's where it got really awesome because I came back and I became friends with the chancellor at UC Santa Barbara. And I told them I was commuting from – at this time I was commuting from Paris to Santa Barbara every weekend. So it, you were in Paris doing? I was doing a I was doing a stage show in Paris. Now at what kind of place? Uh, a little like a like a vaudevillian stage, maybe a couple hundred seats or and, whatnot. But I didn't want to give it up because it was a nice contract. And, and that so. came from the World Champions. Exactly. So you're oh, in yeah. Paris on weekends. Yeah, there's your typical co-ed people. First of all, people are saying Santa Barbara is beautiful. So you're in Santa Barbara during a week, and you're but no, before that you're going, you're commuting from Vegas to Santa right, Barbara. Right, right. I t- I'd go to school Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, catch the Thursday night flight out. I'd arrive on Friday afternoon to work, Paris. Yeah. Yes, work on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, fly back Monday, arrive Monday, go back to school Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I, you know, it's it's amazing. I mean, I, I was, I've been going, you know, for the last year and a half. I go back at least about once a month back east, and that's a, that's a, that's a five-hour flight, but you, tr- you feel the time difference. You must just have had your ass kicked because yeah, of it, jet lag. Yeah, it was, it was tough, but the best part about it, I learned that jet lag really kicks in around three days. Okay. So if you can get back in three days, you're good. That's the first thing I learned. The second thing I learned is there's no college student I've ever heard of that studies 24 hours a week because I had 12 hours out there and 12 hours back on a sitting on a plane. <laughs> okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. <laughs> so, but the, 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 the most amazing thing that happened out of college is that when I, I when I first went into college, like you said, not many people go after uh, a college education on this style or this scale with a, a career. My goal was to go after the major first and general education second. Okay. And now, by this time, I had finished my major, but I had all these GEs left in my senior years of college. And uh, they turned around and I told them about my problem, about commuting. It's killing me. And But I want to graduate. I want to have a degree from UC Santa Barbara. And they said, well, what would help you in your career? And... Uh, we ended up making this independent study of all these different sciences and fields 
for myself so I could do like individual work with a professor only. Okay. And I'd study like geometry and the imagination and how my illusions come to life. And I started studying like business plans of how I was going to create Latimer FX, which is now a company now. As far as, and then we started designing. I started working with the psych department, and the econ department, and all the different ones to try to make my magic better. So you were, and got an education out of it. You were instead of general education. You were thinking big scale and branding yourself too, somewhat into a certain through the business and all the different classes. Right, right. Okay. I was looking at it as a business from the moment I went into college, and uh, I I decided to build that company using the resources of my education, and they were so awesome to help me out and say okay instead of art history take um geometry and imagination that's not even offered here but we'll do a private independent study with you and a professor or psychology meeting design you know now did you graduate in four years no six okay <laughs> what was your gpa though uh i don't i don't remember actually but it was good i mean did you get good grades well yeah you, you had all this basic solid Okay. So I joke around with people. I was commuting so much. I wasn't really interested in grades as much as I was interested in knowledge. I, that, um, that makes sense. I think, I, think, I think most creative people are like that. I mean, most people are creative or aren't per se book smart. They just have a certain knowledge of certain I'd, things. I'd say strong B. Strong B, low A. Now, how, <laughs> how do you, I mean, it's just so, it's just, I mean, it's just, it's hard for me to, uh, I took my headphones off people because my head's sweating because this, this is amazing to me. It's, uh, it's hard for me to conceive a college kid, I mean, coming, going to Paris to do magic <laughs> in front of crowds and being a world champion, I still can't get over the fact that how you stayed grounded and you just didn't become like an arrogant prick. Uh, I, I, well, I, I wouldn't be like that. That's just not my thing. But it's just amazing. So you said, and then do other, oh, thank you. That's do funny. other magicians know that, do they know you're awesome? I mean, because that must piss them off because here's a kid who's a world champion. <laughs> <laughs> and he's he's a gaucho. We really don't like gauchos. No, no did, but did they did they not did they did did other the other magicians know what was going on? Well, I mean, I have always had a very strong support of the magic community, and uh, and I'm very flattered by the people that are following my career along the ways. And um, when I won the world championships, I didn't really take it as a level of look at me. I actually took it as more of a responsibility that everything I create from this moment on has to be of the level of a world champion. Okay. And I just brought it upon myself to say, okay, no more, no more rinketing card tricks anymore. Not that there's nothing wrong with card trick. It's just now I started thinking, okay, I got to where I am by creating something completely new. And that's when the real pressure came on is how much new stuff can we create? Yeah, I was going to say, and also what's the process of that? Because it's not like, you know, telling a joke or writing a book, you know, there's, there's, Either people are going to like it, some people may hate it, and you have to recraft it. But for a magic trick, if you're, if people don't, it's not people. You don't want to hear people saying, "I don't like a magic trick." But if it doesn't work, if they see a certain thing, there's a lot of pressure. And if you're innovating, you know, you're becoming, you're an innovator in the magic world. What I mean, how do you go? How does your mind process work to come up with a joke? I mean, a a trick. Do you sit there go, "Here's what's going to be long run," because you have so much stuff built into it too. I mean, it must be an elaborate process. Kind of. I mean, and uh, and that's why I was saying the magic community supports it because it's new magic. It's something different, and that's where I get the most of my support. Is people are excited about what's next, and the reason I I'm excited about it is maybe it's a little bit of childhood wonder in it, but I see magic in everything. Okay. Everything in my head, I just I think about how cool would it be if this microphone all of a sudden started talking, and what if it, how awesome would it be if, something, if that would I be running out of the studio? Yeah, if a, if my coffee cup went ran, running down the table, and I I think about like how amazing would it be if some I I challenge what I know daily, 
And when I do that, I see magic in everything. Okay, so you so if you sit there and you see a uh, stoplight, and you would, do you ever sit there? I mean, you, you challenge yourself. Do you ever think, okay, would it be cool if all of a sudden that thing would just be going, like just changing color? I mean, exactly. Okay, there's not. Yeah, and I I define magic to myself as challenging what you know. That's all I think it is. It's challenging what you know, and that's why I have my own philosophy built into that the right question could change everything. And because all I've ever learned is to ask more questions, and eventually you find an answer. And if you don't like the answer, ask more questions. See, it's funny. I, I posted something. I actually, I posted something on Facebook yesterday, and you were mentioned. It was no, no, just because I said. Uh, my mom always said that. She said always, um, just ask. You know, and if, if the worst thing you get is no, and then she also said, if you don't know what something means, ask because you never look stupid, and that is the truth. Because I'll sit there and I'll, I won't know what a, word, a certain word means. Like someone, you know, you get some of these people who are so pretentious; they're using a vocabulary which I'm not going to use that, you know. But I'll say, oh, what does that mean? And no one's ever said, oh, well, you don't know what that means. But then when people say stuff that you know they don't know what it means, like some a guy's like, oh, I love Monet. I'm like, dude, do you like water lilies? Come on. Uh, and then they're like, oh, you know. And that's the thing. I always, my mom always said. Always ask, and I said I, that's why I quoted. I said, you know, like asking you when you're getting off the stage. You know, hey, do you want to come on my show? And that's the thing. You, 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 people need the question. They they need to ask questions because knowledge is so important. Uh, yeah, and people don't understand that. That ne you never look stupid. That's the thing. Next month, I'm giving a lecture. Or actually, next month, I'm giving my first TED talk for TEDx Wall Street and at the New York Stock Exchange, and I get to ring the bell. It's pretty cool. Now, what, what's TED Talk? Uh, you started off as a technology entertainment design conference, oh. and it's grown into these things where their slogan is, ideas were spreading. And my whole topic is really about science and innovation in the 21st century, but in a little bit more fun, my style, it's really, I became a magician to inspire more questions. I, I don't want to trick anybody. I want to inspire wonder, because the world wasn't shaped by answers. It was shaped by questions. Right, right. And and as much as that sounds like cliche, the idea behind it is we don't know. Everything the world was flat. <laughs> right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Now, now the, the TED thing, uh, you're going to be a Nasdaq. Now, are you? Are you not going to perform? Are you? I'm. I'm going to add a little bit of magic to my presentation. I have a little more fun with it. But yeah. what are you going to talk about to them? Are you going to talk about the the how the market? Because I'll tell you something. I, I my friend told me to invest in this stock. It was uh, 14 cents. I invested in it. I invested when it went now down to nine cents. nine. Just, no, it's now now it's down to two two cents. And oh, I'm like, no. I got. I didn't invest a lot. I was just. I was playing around with the idea. I said, you know what? Throw a little cash. You know, like you know, you know, you sit there and you you do a little day trading so if you can make 100 125 bucks a day hey then you got some extra cash and um i did one good one and i made like 75 bucks i was all happy but then i got rid of that and now that went up and then the two others i bought so i lost like 500 i'm like geez i'm not good at this stuff but but what are you talking about well because my because of that philosophy of saying we don't know uh, i joke around that when you asked me about my process and it reminded me to talk about the ted thing is because um my my philosophy is to dream first and to think later. Okay. And what I do is I, I look at things and I think about how amazing it would be if you could. And then I work backwards from the concept. All right. And that's what I'm trying to promote more to even everybody from Wall Street to anyone. We have to remember you can't solve problems with the same mentality used to create them. Okay. Yeah, and that and that's not me. That's, that's like an adapted uh, Einstein quote. Uh, the... The idea is that we have to remember we don't know and then be pursuant of the idea. Okay. Uh, uh, and uh, 
so that's how my magic process comes. I have no idea if this stuff is possible. I just go for it. Okay, well, that's, that's good. It's good. So I, I want to talk also about, uh, you were on British TV, too. Yes. Now, okay, now, had you ever been on TV? But Well, like, the, the, the championships weren't. We were on, no, well, they had, that was on Japanese television, NHK. Okay. And then um, I've been on a handf- um, handful of uh, talk shows in the U.S. Like what, some of the shows? Um, like Late Late Show with Craig Ferguson. The Talk was recently on CBS. Um, Ellen. Um, you know, now, do they have you do tricks, or do they yeah. have just do they talk? Uh, I mean, do you get to do both? Click this. I said we're just going to talk because you know correct. the tricks are. I mean, the tricks are great, but if people, you know, people want to know because people don't. Magicians never sit down and talk for an hour. You I, never, you I, never I, really I, see that. I, um, you know, I I love both sides of it, and uh, I usually came on and did some different effects on different shows, and then when I went to the BBC One in in England, that was uh, my first chance at having real specials. So yeah, that was that's when I got to bring out my big toys. And so, so what were some of the, what were some of those things you did on those, and what were the show? I mean, there's a big viewing. I'm sure there's a big viewing audience. Well, yes, yes. Well, the 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 story, the funniest part about it is the story going into it. Because after the World Championships, I basically retired from competition and said I don't want to compete anymore. Why? Because uh, there was no more contests left. Okay. And, and I also didn't want to be like world champion of magic then second. <laughs> okay, yeah. So so you just went on the road. Basically. So I just went on the road and started making uh, money to build what I thought magic could look like. And then um, over the next six years of graduating and designing and starting LFX, which is my studio, um, we started really con- building a magic show of the 21st century. Okay. And uh, when I got an offer from the BBC to be on one last competition called The Magicians, um, it was really funny because I originally said no, but every one of my business team and my guys and my crew, everybody mutinied against me and said, you have to show them what you've been building in that workshop. And uh, we shipped five and a half tons of equipment from here to London. Now, what does something like that, that must cost, I mean, <laughs> my girlfriend sends boxes out here and it costs like 15 bucks. What does, five, okay, first of all, the concept of five, I mean, what is that comparable to? 11,000 pounds. I know, but when you're buying, I know, I know, I know, I mean, I know that, but what, what is like, what is, how much does an airplane weigh? Uh, I don't know how much an airplane But I mean, is, it's, 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 it's a, I sent it in one forty-five foot container. By uh, train, then to uh, 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 freight, and then I had, it took 30 days to get there. And wow. uh, and the thing is, I actually told the BBC that I would come out of retirement for one last competition on the magicians in exchange that they get to film the stuff that's never been filmed before. And uh, not sight unseen because we had little handy cams of us using it in like our my live show okay. and testing it out. And uh, we went out there to compete, and it was really funny. It was one, and I get there, and now I realized why all the BBC people said, sure, no problem, come on out. And it was one American against only British acts in Britain where the British public votes, and everyone except for me had a British magic television show on the BBC One. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Those damn Brits. But the best part is, we won. I see. Well, I and guess it was, it was amazing. It was so amazing. What was the trick that, uh, that well, blew them away? It, it, was, it was over six specials. And so it was the who, who had won so many specials over those six. And uh, the stuff that we created, my guys and my team and I created and pulled off, it worked brilliantly. And uh, we got to see illusions that I had that I hadn't even seen, but I knew they worked. So I built them. Wait, 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 explain it. Wait. I built one trick of teleporting from one moving semi-rig to another moving semi-rig while the audience is on a military transport truck racing along the side of us on a closed down airport runway. And I knew it was going to work. And we have the digital animations, and we actually cleared it through insurance because I wanted to know if I was going to self-finance this or not. We had it for four years. 
Okay. It sat in behind my warehouse in 45 foot containers. Was that just did that frustrate the hell out of you? No, I just knew eventually I'd get to it. But we just because no, it's so funny because you know in the beginning you said when you were a kid you were taking stuff apart and you, and you always have this thirst for knowledge. I would be going up the wall going four years for one trick. I'd be like. Christ's sake, does this thing work or not? No, it worked. I knew it would work. Okay. Uh, the, the thing is, we design everything in 3D modeling on a computer, and we, we design it in wireframe, and we, we block it all out. And uh, and then <laughs> the next question is insurance. My insurance guy thinks I'm the funniest guy ever. He's like, you know what? He's like, I love you. He's just, <laughs> I met him the other day. I met him uh, for the first time in person about half a year ago, and he's just, he came up to me randomly. He said, you're Jason Latimer. And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, uh He's like, I'm your insurance guy because we've never met our business. My business manager sets us up, and he's like, I have to admit, your stuff when they come in makes everybody in the office excited because whether it's like being dropped in the Thames River yeah. or like teleporting a, li- a live audience on a truck <laughs> down an airport runway, and he's like, you need whole because like we'll ask him questions like, are we allowed to do this? And he came back with, well, they need to be strapped into some like roller coaster seat types thing. So we built that. Is it the insurance so you don't get sued, or what is the insurance, or is it insuring you? Or well, when you're taking real audience people and you're gonna like put them on the back of a semi rig and race down a runway, okay. And- <laughs> And you're going to transport them from one truck to another truck. <laughs> you, you really kind of have to have that cleared. <laughs> it just—it's just blow, so funny. It just blows me away that your your you your mind just thinks. I mean, it's like <laughs> thank no, you. No, but it's just cool because I mean, I mean, as I, said, I get blown away by a card trick. You, you, know? you got to see that one. It's online. You can I, see that one. It's it's so massive. And uh, well, your your website your website is uh, jasonlatimer.com. Yes. Now, do you have clips up on there? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. There's... People go to that website jasonlatimer.com because you can see his stuff. So so did you. Yeah, so you're asking me what trick did the best. But what's so funny is as the shows were progressing, the BBC producers were like, you know, well, these things are great. How big do your tricks get? And I said, well, you see those containers out there? That's actually one magic trick. And they're like, what do you need? And I said, I need a runway to see it. And and they're like, we have a runway. We have the Top Gear racetrack. And I'm like, you guys get me. Like, and it's it's epic. It's what magic should look like. It's what I think magic should look like anyways. But it's it's exciting. It's it's continuous shots. It's real audience. And you can see in their reactions. They're straight up scared with what they just saw because it challenged everything they yeah, knew. It, it's scary. I mean, you know, it, it's – and I think it's a matter of people – you know, people have the uh, misconce- misconception that it's magic is just like, you know, you see – when you're younger, you see certain magic tricks, but now it's like anything. It's like music has changed. You know, the internet has changed. Magic now is, it's like rock star stuff. I mean, I think that maybe Copperfield was one of the first things like was brought to the rock star. Oh yeah, rock star level, and that's the thing. It's and magic should be that way because it's entertainment and it's it can blow you away. And the thing is, if you go in being skeptical, you're not going to enjoy it as much. And that's the thing. And that's but that's also like with comedy. Someone comes in wanting to say, "Oh, these people aren't going to be funny." You're not going to enjoy it. But I think the magic now, just I mean, people just it blows people away. Right. No, totally. I I think live shows is the way to go. I love magic on television, but people get really skeptical when they see magic on television. So I think filming it on television has to be very, very. Um, I wouldn't say clever, but I would say more like we have to be prepared for everyone questioning everything they're seeing. And I, I think. My team came in and helped the BBC direct this stuff because my right-hand guy, Dustin, has been being in charge of my media since the very beginning. Okay. And he's like, they originally tried to say, uh, I said, I need to bring my director out. And they said, well, you're not allowed to bring a director because we're using British directors, but you can bring a consultant for your, your magic. And I said, I don't need a consultant. 
but I will bring my consultant to consult your director on how to film my show. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and it just it worked out great, and uh, we're really excited um, because I came back after that one, and uh, we're back here with all my equipment and made it back safe. That was in 2012. The, the, yes, okay. yes. Now, and then after that, I went to work for uh, locally at the Morongo Casino. And okay, now was it just the same? How many nights a week was that? Uh, it was just the weekends. Now, did you did you enjoy it? I mean, after coming from doing runways and stuff like that, you're going to do the Morongo must have been a little little different because you, you're you're you seem like you have a very expansive mind. It's sort of containing you because the Morongo, I'm sure you're just in a showroom, right? Well, yeah, just a showroom. However, Morongo is only a couple hours away from here. So while I was at Morongo for so long, it allowed me to get back to my workshop and re and rethink the stuff that I already had. How do okay. I take what I've got and put it to the next level beyond that? And uh, I'm very, very, very excited for uh, what's about to happen. In, yeah, in I was going to say, I, I have this flyer here, and we got it walking out, and uh, it's uh, it's going to be Club Nokia, which, uh, and Justin had said, which I, I, he had to ask him about that. What happened? He said, you guys did a show together one time, and he, he brought a girl, and she liked you. And he said to ask me, ask you about that. It's when you guys were younger. And <laughs> Awkward. He, yeah, he, no, no. But he said, he said he doesn't think you ever dated her. No, I didn't. But no, now no. you see, you, well, you're better looking than Justin. Oh, no. Justin's bad. eating too much. Now he, <laughs> no, I'm not saying. No, do you, ever, do you follow him on Instagram? His pictures are amazing, but they're all food. I have to watch my my blood pressure <laughs> yeah, and cholesterol. You get hungry watching. Yeah, I'm like sitting there going, you know. But, uh, um, so now, and Justin said, you know, the Nokia, I mean, you know, Club Nokia is usually, it's, it's in downtown. It's, yes. it's usually, it's usually rock bands and stuff like that. Yeah. It's, uh, uh I got, I, I teamed up with AEG live. So how, how did that happen? Well, um, I, we didn't, uh, a private event that was, I was hired for and AEG live owns a company called bounce and they, they saw my performance and I did about 20 minutes and there was big, big artists at this event and after 20 minutes, we brought down the house and we were closing the show. Where was it at? It was in New Orleans. Was it a big place? Um, yes, it was a uh, it was a private event for a very um, a very pro- prominent person in the public. And now, was who were some of the artists? Uh, well, I mean, every it was a birthday party for somebody, and I can't feel I can't. Oh, that's fine. That's fine. No, I was, okay. No, so I was going to say. So, but, but, it, but it you mean enough, rock and roll it, artists? It, it was just... enough to bring my full stage show out for okay. somebody's 60th birthday. Yeah. <laughs> Well, no, but I'm saying, no, but was it, was it uh, like music, music yeah, artists? Yeah, most, no, so, so most, was, a lot of music okay, artists. and then you. And then me, because uh, their philosophy is about asking one real question their entire life, and that's how they've gotten to where they felt they've gotten. Okay. And my show is about the right question could change everything. Yeah, so, so they you, said, yeah, their family thought it would be best that I close the show, and we brought down the house. We had people hooting and hollering and screaming, and uh, we do all my modern effects like shaping water or like uh, bringing drawings to life on your skin or forming smoke or, or just totally 21st century gear. And the following morning at 9 a.m., we got a phone call from to my management saying, where did all that equipment come from? <laughs> and we just told them, I'm building it. And they were just like, what? And uh, we had a couple of meetings, and they saw the equipment. And you, it's very hard not to notice how much equipment there is now. And I, I'm, I, I literally, in my spare time, work. I have a machine shop in my house, and I have a machine shop at, at LFX. It allows me to build what I want to and tinker in my own corners. And um, and they just said, well, how big of a venue do you need? And to see the, all this stuff in action, and we eventually came up with the idea of doing it at Club Nokia and uh, at LA Live, which is about five thousand, six thousand, I'm guessing. Oh no, it's not that big. It's uh, fully loaded. It's twenty two hundred. What's the biggest crowd you've ever played in front of? Mm. 
Winter Gardens of England. I, I did an event up there. It was about 3,400 people. And then we did one. Uh, it's Magic was a tour that I was on, and that did about that was at the Kodak uh, for, for the anniversary for that. Um, but, you know, right around a few thousand. I, I prefer, personally, about 1,500 people. I, th- I, I like that number. That's a good one. Because I think after that, you're really far away. And um, unless we start putting huge media packages everywhere, but then, then you're watching TV. I'd right. rather you just be involved. And we use T-shirt cannons and beach balls. And I bring out this massive cannon in my show, and I just go, I need volunteers. And I go, thump, thump. <laughs> That's cool. And everybody comes running up. Whoever catches a T-shirt, come on up. Now, is it? It must be a. Uh, is it a total adrenaline high when you when uh, when you get that cheer? When you, I mean, I'm sure there's probably a nervousness when you do. And even though you're a professional and you're you're great at it, but there's always sometimes things screw up. There's uh, there's I think everyone's like, well, what if this? Do you ever think what if this doesn't work? And, oh yeah, I built this thing. <laughs> I know it may not work. Right. Okay. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, but you look, you also took a part of a. a, 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 a VCR when you're like four and found a grilled cheese in it and ate it. I mean, so that's no. So, but you ever sit there? Is there a trepidation because you have so many people and you're and you? I mean, first of all, you you build it, so you pretty much know it's going to work, right? But is there? Do you ever have that second thought in your mind where you're like, I, uh, what if this doesn't work? Do you does ever or do you just say screwed? You become very confident on stage. Well, I don't. Well, put it this way, because I built it, I know quite a bit about the prop. And I'm all about redundancy in my philosophy about building in case something were to go wrong. And as much as it's very, 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 very difficult to have a perfect show, all right? And so you kind of learn these redundancies as you go along. And because I'm the guy who built it, if something were to go wrong, the audience should never know because I instantly think about what was the backup to this and it's already set up because the prop was designed to change. Um, yeah, I, I, I build my gear with multiple stages involved in my head. Not stages like a platform stage, but multiple levels of the trick. So some of these tricks, they have outlets on them, which we haven't even gotten to. And when you're a new stagehand, they're like, what the heck is that plug for? Okay. I'm like, that's, that's for down the road. When I have enough money to plug something in, there needs to be a plug there. Okay. So I, I kind of love overthinking things. And um, when I designed these props, when I had a chance to be at Morongo and be home for a year, really kind of trying to figure out how to make things better. That's when the show took a whole new level. Okay. Yeah. So what's what's the feeling though? When when you have a the this this like in New Orleans when you just crush it. I mean you I mean honestly I mean when people are going crazy, you're following we're not gonna you're following big bands, but you're probably like, wait a second, I'm following these bands <laughs> yes. and everyone loves them. Very nerve wracking. But then but then for you, you come up stage and you crush it. I mean you, is it a total adrenaline high? I mean it must be you know, we, we go out and celebrate with all my guys. A lot of the majority of the guys that work on my stage crew are actually old high school buddies. Okay. And we are a family. We're a band of brothers. And uh, the best part about it, everybody went into their own level of education that ended up working like we were designing a magic team from the very beginning one guy went into media one guy went into machining you know everybody's got their own background and uh so when we when the the show's great it's a team effort and we go out and celebrate and we have a great time doing it and we're having a blast doing the show and Mm -hmm. it gets it keeps everybody excited and uh yeah and like this last year we stopped doing a lot of big shows solely for complete redesign of the show, not because the show was bad, because we all feel where the show can go. And then you probably get you probably get tired, not tired, but you probably get tired because you're you're always challenging yourself. So you're probably like, you know, it's you can be this amazing, amazing trick, but you're probably like, eh, do I got to do that again? We got to do this. Well, we're extremely motivated to not pull a rabbit out of a hat. We want to see how far the rabbit hole goes. Okay. And we, uh, as a group, we've been redesigning the show, and that's the 
this Wednesday or next Wednesday. Next Wednesday. Up, well, next Wednesday coming up is the is the first step of many of us trying to do this new scale and new style of science meeting wonder where okay. where the question we didn't know it was possible but we didn't give up so when they came to you and said you know because you're probably the first magician are you the first magician at nokia yeah. okay oh uh, first first production magic show right. okay production because you're not you're not really you're you're not it's not you're, stand up you're it's, a multimedia yeah. you're, you're multimedia i mean it's, I'm, it's hard to explain yeah the trucks and trailers are coming up it's not right. like it's a one man right like, double so, bag and we do a show yeah. so when you sit there did, did you just did your whole team just get so excited like you know because it is it is near it's in your area it's home court yeah. and so you don't you don't have to go to you know britain or paris and come back to go to college you know you can sit there and go and it's uh it's a and downtown so popping now it's, oh, it's a great it's, place it's, it's very so, hip it's such a cool venue and legendary acts have played there yeah, and it's a newer venue. It's a new oh, venue, it's, it's which is gorgeous. great. Now, when that came out, where you got was you, did you did your team just start going? Okay, what are we going to do? Well, or, uh, the, the funniest part is we walked in. And I walked into a meeting and said, "Yeah, we can do this. Yeah, we can do that. Yeah, I can bring it here." And I went home and I looked at the blueprints of the stage, and I realized the the height and width and the stage. And the first thing that went through my mind is, "How am I going to do that?" Right, because <laughs> the stage is smaller than some of my props. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's when the real fun began because we started right, trying to figure out how we're going to everything we're how we're going to do everything. We're extending the stage 4 feet at Club Nokia. Uh okay. but just decking. But then we're also there's no closing curtain because it was meant for rock concerts. It was it was always a main and then and that was it. Right. So in order to do the set changes, we've had to rethink how you we do a standard magic show and that meant we started building rolling decks uh, and props were on them and now we have it we're syncing it up in the warehouse, just testing it out, where I do a trick, and as I walk forward, the new stage comes rolling out from the side of the stage. And oh, instead wow. of instead of closing a curtain, it actually, the new stage with the rolling deck had a wall on it, and that's the closing curtain, because oh, it's blocking the trick behind it. That's so cool. And we, it's that type of thinking, is um, putting a group, of, a group of guys that are engineers and designers, but also have a theatrical background, like, what would be a modern show? And so we've had to do a lot with just the one main curtain. And uh, we've had to extend the stage so that I can walk up in front of the main and talk a little bit. That curtain can close. But then we also wow. reset the rolling stage. It's so, it, it, it amazes me. And stuff like this does fascinate me. Just because um, you, you, I love it. You're, 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 <laughs> you're, you're, I mean, you're changing, you're changing a whole venue for your show. It's like, it's like, yeah. it's, like it's so funny. Cause it's <laughs> this like. This is the I don't screw around magic show. <laughs> exactly. But it's, it's like, you know, it's, it's like it's your playground. I mean, it's, that's something that fascinates me. I heard when you were speaking at the Magic Castle, you were very uh, positive when you were saying, you know, about the fascination and all that. And, and it, that's great. Cause it's very, um. It's very positive and it just makes people think. And but it's like it seems like every day your life's like a playground. Like you just don't know what well, can I do. You know, you may see something and go, "Oh my God, I can, I can, I can make that thing do this that no one's ever done." And the and the end thing, <laughs> you actually do it, which is cool. Yes, thank you. I and that's what I promote on my all my websites is I promote people to ask questions and come up with magic ideas. I actually take requests and I you hear somebody from like Germany write in saying, uh, "Wouldn't it be cool if you could have a flame underwater?" And, I, and and I'll be like, that's really cool. And then somebody from, like, China will write in and say, well, uh, magnesium burns underwater. And then somebody from, like, Spain will say, well, that's not the fl- – look like a flame. And it's just this conversation on this Facebook page or all these other sites, what we call the team. Anybody following online is the team. And uh, you get – we're crowdsourcing new magic. See, that's cool. But you're giving the people what they want, though. And then it comes out. 
well, well, actually, six months later, or you can see the design process behind the scenes, and you actually see this thing come to life. Yeah, that's that's what I think that's what people want, though, because it's that just changes magic. Which I think, you know, I mean, you know, Chris Angel changed it a lot for the people who watched him on TV. They weren't used to that, you know. They weren't used to the, you know, that, and that's but. You're much bigger, you know. You do a bigger spectrum than him, seems because. But I think Thank you, he, that's very flattering. The I think Chris did a great job of getting magic back in the public eye and making it cool. And he got a rock group, you know. He's got this style of getting people in rock concert status, and I think that's I think that's awesome that magic's back in the public eye that much. Uh, and it helps me out um, as far as me. I'm just getting started as far as my career and the direction I want to take magic. Uh, but anything that makes magic bigger helps any magician. Now how about Penn and Teller? Do you like them? I love them. Have I, you met them? Oh, yes, yes. I, I think uh, Teller is probably one of the most gifted minds uh, in magic. He, he's just, he's a wealth of information. I bet you he's forgotten more than we'll ever learn. <laughs> it's, so, it's, so, it's so funny about him because he never speaks, but then when he was on the Stern show, he wouldn't shut up. <laughs> so it's like, you never speak on stage. Would you shut up? He's, and Penn Gillette's a Philadelphia guy. Oh, so. really? I, I didn't, I, I don't, I know Teller much better than, okay. than I know Penn. Um, uh, Teller is, he was just, when I first met him, he was just really informative, gives great ideas. And every once in a while, I'll, cut, I'll send him an email just to, I ask him a random question here and there. And he's so attentive about everything. And it's, he's just a great guy. He's just a great guy. Is there a good camaraderie amongst magicians? Like, do you got, do you hang out? I mean, I know you have your friends or your group, but do like, you know, the magicians like sit there and hang out or say, Hey, let's I, get together. I, like, I, or just hang I, out. I, to, I like, think a lot of magicians hang out with each other. I don't really hang out with magicians as much. I, I'm pretty much a, a nerd. But you're, but you're, but you're, busy, you're busy all the time. I hang out with nerds, <laughs> and, uh, and I love it. <laughs> and, and we also don't look like uh, the sta- style of magic that I pursue isn't really the standard magic trick. Okay. So, so like, for I worked on shaping water for four years. Now, when you say shaping water, you just you you actually pour. Well, there's different segments to it, and in the stage show, um, the first one that came out uh, was I had been on it for a couple of years, and I built this aquarium, and I roll objects out of water. And I pop them, and I used to. I listened to my audience for about two years afterwards, and everyone said the same thing: How do we know it's not in the water already? And so, for the next two years, I designed what we joke around as this little. I mean, don't joke around it. We really do it. It's this bowl of water that we bring people on stage, and we pour the water through their hands. Okay. And the audience via video screen with a cameraman right there live, and you actually see the water take shape, being close up with a camera. And you pull the object out, and you can see it rippling. And you can find this online, too. It's shaping water. And you actually hand it to a person, and you let them touch it. And it's about, it turns everybody to a nine-year-old. And, and then you touch it, and it pops, and it goes back to water. And, and everybody just kind of takes a gasp. And then what happens? I get everybody excited, and the curtains open up. And now you see the, a newer version of the same aquarium that was okay. years ago. And now you hear the mentality is different. Now people aren't saying, I wonder if there's something in the water. Everybody's like, game on. He's got six feet of water now. Okay. <laughs> and, you, and the excitement level changes dramatically after taking that one little breather moment to say, let's see this up close and personal. That's crazy. And then you see the aquarium and then it's just straight excitement. See, that's just amazing. We have about five minutes left. Uh-huh. Um, what do you, I mean, it's, it's very interesting. I was just a little distracted because someone had logged into the computer. So if I seem like I was a little distracted, oh, did no, I seem I distracted at all? No, you're good. You sure? No, it's like, no, one you know, listens like, to, no one listens to no, me No, I was anyway. listening. But no, yeah. no, but because I, I sat there, whatever. Because one time it, it cut off during my show and I freaked out. My friends were like, oh my God, my friend was in the studio. Uh, so 
promote some of your stuff and tell people what's going on because you have a few minutes and, it's, and it's, I, it, people it's a lot of, he's at the Club Nokia September 25th and you can get tickets at uh, AXS.com AXS.com right now uh, next on the 25th we're at Club Nokia by uh, we have some a couple of events coming up some of them are really cool I'm working on the Houdini miniseries coming out in the History Channel uh as a magic consultant for that. So what do you do? You just go in and you tell try them? Review the scripts and try to okay. see that uh, what was available at the time and also kind of think more theatrically for the camera as much as uh, it's it's like a documentary throughout his life. I and mean, that's right. filmed out in Budapest. Oh, so you get to go over? Huh? Oh, you don't get to go over to Budapest, though. Oh, well, I do as much work as I can. I, I'm, I'm in the middle of uh, a lot of work right now, so it's very difficult for me to commute back and forth. So, yeah, <laughs> commute to Budapest. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's, but, but I would. I commuted to Paris I, from I college. If, I would if I could. I, I would if I could. And then um, I've got the TEDx Wall Street event coming up. Yeah, when's that? October 30th. I'm really, really excited You know about what's that. cool about that? What? My birthday. It's your birthday? I'll be 50. Oh, my gosh. October 30th. Are you going to be in New York? No, it's so funny. Because my, girlfriend, my girlfriend's moving out. Uh, the the twenty eighth, so it's my last trip back east. I'm going back next week. So, but uh, that's cool. So that's that's October. Uh, yeah, I'm really excited about that because it gives me a chance to kind of uh, take it one like an interview like this, kind of show the the mentality behind the magic trick. Because so many magicians try to trick people, and I didn't become a magician to trick anyone. I really didn't. Right. I, I I'm just so. I'm having a blast because I didn't know if this stuff is possible, and I'm having a great time trying to figure it out. And um, and bringing this stuff to life is about as magical as it gets to me because uh, um, I, I was talking about this the other day. When you see a science fiction show, something like that, I think there's a little bit of science in science fiction. Oh, yeah, of course. Where, like, you, we build to what we think it should look like. And uh, I think if I create something that's an illusion, that some it clicks in some nine-year-old's head in the audience that says he has the background or, or he has the understanding that he could bring that to life for real – that's real magic. See, that's cool. And, uh, any other local shows besides the uh, Nokia, like uh, Pachanga or anything coming up or any of that stuff? Or Well, I'll be going back Mondo. out to Arizona to another. Uh, I do a lot of shows over at Wild, House, Wild Horse Pass Casino in Phoenix. Um, okay. That's my new home court for my stage show. And uh, we'll see where this goes with AEG. It's pretty exciting. You might get a world like a rock and like you might be like a rock and roll star with like well you already just sort of are well, playing the, the uh, playing New Orleans well, with bands and playing this <laughs> and jet setting from uh, Paris to Scott. You lived the life of a damn rock star. Jeez, <laughs> since you were in college, a nerd. <laughs> yeah, a, a nerd, nerd rock star. A nerd. So uh, give all your info. What people, how people can follow, how people can find you. What where where what's all that stuff? Okay, you can go to jasonlatimer.com, and that's the hub for everything. And Latimer's easy to spell. It's L A Timer. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> and it's it, it, and uh, you, once you're there, you can get to the Facebook, the Twitter, the YouTube. Uh, I personally like the Facebook page uh, mainly because uh, my server that runs our company actually is very involved with it, and we post pictures of artwork and science and science facts and quotes and magic from around the world daily. See, that's awesome. Yeah, and it gets people asking questions. So it seems you're very interactive with your uh, fans. Like, if people email you, will they hear back from you and stuff like that? I do my best to write back to every single person. And um, it may be a little bit, but I – and I uh, – Facebook's the fastest for me because I every I check it, you know, daily. But uh, I do get back. I do get back. I, I, I try my – I'm going to try to keep it going as much as I can. Oh, yeah, you're but, a busy guy. You're in the shop. You, you know, <laughs> I love it's not it. like, you know, but that's great. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm in the shop. Eventually, I want to build an Iron Man suit. <laughs> Just a different color scheme, a little more lime green. <laughs> I want to thank you. I want to thank you. This was really enjoyable. I got to tell you, it was, a, a, it was a fun time. time. And I just because you really, the, I was watching the other night, and I was pretty fascinated. And I was like, you know what? 
I, I love getting interesting guests, and that's the one thing I love about the show. I can meet people and give them my card, and then they get back to me. So I want to thank you, Jason. And uh, check them out, people. If you can, go to jasonlatimer.com. Also, Club Nokia on September 25th. As for me, people, uh, follow me at Cooper Talk on Twitter, at Cooper Talk. Uh, I have about 180 episodes up on coopertalk.net. You can also type one word in the search box on iTunes or Stitcher Radio, Cooper Talk. Same episodes are up there. Um, what else is going on? Oh, Friday. Uh, September 27th, I'll be at the uh, Marlton Comedy Cabaret, 8 o'clock showtime. It's my last South Jersey appearance for a while. This Friday, I'll be at Flappers in the Yoohoo Room, 7.30 show. Come on out. And follow me on Twitter, because you hear I call into the Big Daddy Graham show in Philadelphia, WIP 94 Sports Radio, every either Wednesday or Thursday at midnight my time, 3 a.m. in the morning, talking Hollywood. So I want to thank my guest, Jason Latimer. Check his stuff out. I'm Steve Cooper. I'm only as hip as my guests. Now it's time to drink my water eat my veggies, and take my vitamins. You guys have a wonderful weekend, and I'm going to lunch.